0: from the book of Isaiah. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of Truth. Thank you for tuning in this morning. A little bit different this morning. I just had uh, some random thoughts I wanted to share. And I pray in the powerful and holy name of Jesus that it will be a blessing to you this morning. One of the things, or maybe one of the main themes that you've heard me complain about or rant about or speak about, has been this issue of Greasy Grace... The issue of casualness, a casual attitude towards the holiness of God, a casual attitude towards sin. We live in a culture now that just says what it means to be Christian is to be tolerant of everything, right? Completely ignoring that in order to be set apart, to be holy as we're called to be, requires us to be intolerant of things. Specifically, immorality. And that immorality is not decided by us, but is determined by God. Casualness towards sin I just find astonishing. It's one of the reasons I wrote that devotional a few years ago called Faith Obedience in the End of Time, because one of the words that never gets spoken about in churches in modern day Christianity is obedience. And if you dare bring up the word obedience, what happens? Oh, you're trying to earn your salvation. Oh, you're just you're stuck under the law. To which I respond, you know, whatever makes you feel better. I would argue this point. The closer you are to God, the closer you are to his son, Jesus, the more aware you are and the more convicted you feel about sin. The more casual your attitude is about sin and about your behavior, I would argue the further away you are from God. Let's look at an example. You heard me read it at the beginning of the episode here from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, a great prophet of God. We could argue much closer relationship to God than probably most of us, probably lived a much holier life than most of us. But when he sees God, when he really sees who God is, he comes to terms with who he really is and how desperate he is for grace and mercy. Let's look at this. Isaiah chapter 6, the very first verse, just seven verses here. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, "Holy, holy, holy, is the Lord of hosts; the whole earth is filled with his glory." Please note, when we studied uh, this passage in our Isaiah study, I'm sure I brought this up, but as you know, that in the Hebrew language, emphasis is is put by doubling a word. As an example. Uh, For example, Jesus would often say, Truly, truly, I say to you. And what he was getting at by saying truly, truly, is he wanted you, the people listening, and they would have understood this, to understand that what he's getting ready to say is not just true, but it's really, really true, right? It's truly, truly. Only one phrase gets repeated three times in the Bible. Or one word, I'm sorry back to back to back like this. And this is the angels crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's not just holy. He's not just really holy. He's really, really, really holy. Verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke and then said, I woe is me. By the way, woe is me means I'm cursed. Cursed me. Cursed me. I'm I'm undone, he says. Woe is me, for I am undone. Why? Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, when Isaiah saw how holy and set-apart God is compared to Isaiah himself, and Isaiah's like, even if I wasn't a man of unclean lips, I, I'm surrounded by, I live amongst a people who are unclean, and I've just seen how set apart, how holy the Lord God is. I'm in big trouble. I'm undone. There's no hope for me. You see, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he was fully aware of, how sinful he is. The closer you are to God, the more convicted you will be about sin. The further away from God you are, the more casual your attitude will be about sin, the more compromises you'll be willing to make. The more, I would argue also, the more you will want to embrace the greasy grace doctrines. The doctrines that say it doesn't really matter. My behavior really doesn't matter. Let's look at some examples. And these are some examples I feel like I need to add to. I need to maybe rewrite or do a revision or a second volume of faith and obedience because this generation of believers needs to understand that there is spiritual discipline and that obedience is important. But what has happened is the Greasy Grace movement over the last 50 years, probably has convinced Christians that they can live any way they want. They can be just like the world and the church is not as church is not teaching be set apart from the world, but rather they're like, let's be relevant to the world. Let's be like the world. And then you can't tell a difference between people sitting in the pews or in the nightclub. They're the same. One might be nicer, right? Because they've been taught that what true Christian love is, is to be uh, tolerant of everything and to be really, really nice to everybody. I'm going to give three, look at three examples, and we'll see if that's what's being taught by the scriptures. Let's start with Peter. I'd say he has a pretty good idea of what Jesus was teaching, wouldn't you? Let's see what he has to say. Let's start with chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's not the end of his statement. Because I can hear people now go, see, you're hoping for the grace. You are hoping for the grace, of course. But how are you to live in light of that? How are you to live? So let's read that again because it doesn't end right there. There's a semicolon. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourself according to the former, former lust in your ignorance. But as he which has been called you, let me read that again, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. What's being said here, Peter's saying, be sober-minded and hope for the grace that is coming at when Jesus is revealed at the end. And in the meantime, the way you do that, the way you gird up your loins of your mind, the way you be sober, the way you hope for the end of that grace is to behave as obedient children, no longer doing the things that were part of your formal lust when you were ignorant. Because... He who has called you is holy, and the scriptures tell you to be holy, for he is holy. Does that sound like greasy grace to you? Sounds like what Peter is saying is, God's holy, therefore you are to act holy, and this is how you are to behave while you await the return of the king. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work. Wait, we're not allowed to talk about works. That's works religion. You're trying to earn your salvation, Peter. Who judges according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. <laughs> Man, that doesn't, this doesn't sound like what's being preached in my church, Peter. Says most people listening, right? Every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here, in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the earth but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. He's saying God's judging you by your your. He, he doesn't respect persons. He doesn't care if you're a, a poor person or a rich person, if you have a high position or, or not, if you're well-respected within culture or not. God's not a respecter of person. He judges according to every man's work. So pass your time here, sojourning here, and do it in fear. Not to be taking these things lightly, right? Because you weren't purchased with gold and silver, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ. And that should be your attitude and understanding. Understanding what it costs to purchase you. So you should live like it. That's what Peter's saying. of Hebrews let's read just a handful of verses here starting with ch- chapter 12 verse 9 furthermore we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live for verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure but he for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. The writer of Hebrews is talking about being disciplined by God. But grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto him, unto them which are exercised thereby. The writer is saying, none of us want to be... <laughs> disciplined by God, but it happens to us. Why? So that we would bear fruit of righteousness. Three words you don't hear anymore in Christianity. Righteousness. Holiness. Obedience. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of god lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled lest any be a fornicator or a profane person as esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright he's saying don't be like esau giving it up giving up your birthright giving up your relationship with god for the lust of the flesh for 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 soup does that sound like greasy grace to you comes with yes you're saved by your faith in christ but here's the problem everyone wants a relationship and the saving salvation and the eternal reward that comes with knowing jesus but nobody wants the transformation be transformed by the renewing of your mind those of us who have truly believed upon Jesus we become a new creation old things pass away behold all things become new the scriptures teach you are not free to live your life and to be and to do whatever you want that is not the freedom that Christ is offering you what he's offering you is freedom from the bondage of sin Before you were saved and the Holy Spirit was in you, you couldn't resist the temptation of sin, nor did you want to. That is a gift of the Spirit. So what do we do if we find ourselves in a situation now maybe once we were walking upright more and maybe once we were more on fire for god and all of a sudden we just we lack the motivation to want to read the scriptures we lack the motivation to pray we lack that you know we don't want to go to church like we just it all seems to be unraveling and I, it feels like my prayers never make it through the ceiling and Where is God? And I feel like he's so far from me and suddenly I'm being drawn back into the things that I don't want to do anymore because I want to live righteous and holy. What's going on? Here's what's happening. And Jesus addresses this when he talks to the church of Ephesus. He's the letter written to Ephesus in the book of Revelation. So let's just look at that to close out our podcast for this morning. Revelation chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars and has borne and has patience for my name's sake and has labored and has not fainted. So let's not overlook this first part. Jesus is saying, I know your work and your labor, how you're laboring for the kingdom of God and how you have patience. And check this out. Does he, does he say, and I'm so thankful for you that you guys are so tolerant of everything and, and you're so accepting of everything. Is that what he teaches? No, he's commending them for what? How thou cannot bear them which are evil. That sounds like intolerance. And how you have tried those who say they are apostles, right? You've tested them based on their fruits and determined that they're actually not pat. They're not apostles. They're liars. That sounds kind of opposite to what the churches are teaching today, but let's continue. Here's the problem. Here's why... You're feeling like we just described. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. This is the secret to why this is happening to you. And it's not really a secret. Because it's right here. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Wait, Jesus can blot you out? Jesus can remove your candlestick? I guess that's for a whole other discussion. Let's stick with what we're trying to address here. You have left your first, you remember when you first dated your spouse? How you're writing them love letters, how you were thinking about them all the time. How you just couldn't wait to, to go on a date and to listen to what how their day was. And, you, and then after a decade, maybe two decades, maybe shorter, maybe longer, you're not doing those things anymore, are you? Not thinking about them as often as you used to. You're not writing them love letters. You're not looking. You're not asking them how their day was. You're not. You're not engaged like you were. You're not on fire like you were. You've let things get kind of stale. This is what's happening with your relationship with God. You're not doing the things you used to do. You're not dwelling on the scriptures like you used to. You're not, you're not taking the time to dwell on the Lord and the kingdom of God and the coming of Christ. You're not praying three times a day like you used to. You used to, you used to want to be like Daniel and you prayed three times a day. Now you're lucky if you do pray once a day. And if you do, it's not very heartfelt and you feel like, what's the point? God's not listening. It's not going to go. Right? Listen, the reason why. I can connect with the way you feel is because I can connect with the way you feel because I'm a human being who goes through these exact same things and I have to come back to the scriptures and, and examine myself and say, what's happening here? And I let the scriptures be the mirror, not the world and not the apostate church. Jesus is saying, you want that fire back? Do the things you used to do. Do the things you did in the beginning when you were on fire for God. Here it is. Do those spiritual disciplines that you've gotten away from. It takes discipline to pray in the first thing in the morning. First thing you do before you pick up the cell phone, before you look at social media, before you, that requires discipline. Here's where people get confused. This is with anything in life, but it applies to this. Feelings and motivation are not the same as discipline. Feelings and motivation, I do it if I feel up to it. I do it when I'm motivated. Discipline does it regardless. Discipline does it whether I'm tired or not tired. Whether I feel like it or I don't feel like it. Whether I'm motivated or I'm not motivated, I do it anyway because I have discipline. do the things you used to do that's how you get back don't expect that you get back to your spiritual disciplines and then magically you just start f- feeling it within a day or two days you're gonna have to get you are have to do what you used to do and you're gonna have to compound that And guess what's going to happen when you work at that relationship with God? (laughs) Before long, you'll notice it. You'll start being able to hear God's voice again. You'll start wanting to get to the scriptures again. You'll start looking up instinctively. Right now, you've fallen asleep. That's the problem. You've gotten lazy. God is not a human, right? He's a spirit, but he's a person. And that relationship requires work. And we shouldn't approach it with casualness because you weren't purchased with something as worthless as silver and gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood of a son. Holiness matters, righteousness matters, obedience matters god is judging you by your works and no i'm not preaching you earn salvation this is what you do because you have a relationship with god and it's evidence of that relationship it's the fruit of that relationship so don't come at me with that nonsense that i'm preaching that you're trying to earn your salvation i'm saying examine yourself take a look in the mirror and see if you really are in the faith james says you want to know what i believe Look at what I do. Don't be ignorant. Don't be hearers of the word only. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only deceiving yourself. If all you are is a hearer of the word and not a doer, you have deceived yourself. To make yourself feel better. These are the truths of the scriptures. I have to look in the mirror and say them to myself. Nothing I'm saying right now. Everything I'm saying through this microphone right now, I'm having that same conversation with myself. Because I too have to come back to the scripture here. and, And remind myself to do the things, to do the early things. I just want to bring up one little side point here. And then we'll close. So Jesus says, Remember therefore whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly. And I remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. The next verse, verse 6, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Again, that doesn't sound like, be tolerant to everything, be tolerant to everyone, just be tolerant and be really, really nice. Jesus is saying actually you like the you, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which which I also hate. So Jesus is like we got that in common, we both hate that. So what is that? Well all you gotta do is read down a little bit further when he's talking to the next church and you have that and you have the answer. So let's read verse fourteen and fifteen and he explains what it is. But I have a few things against thee, he says. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Remember who Balaam was. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. What's the stumbling block? To eat things sacrificed in the idols and to commit fornication. What is fornication? Sexual immorality. Next verse. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which thing I hate. The doctrine that he's referring to, that he hates of the Nicolaitans, is to sacrifice unto idols and to commit sexual immorality. God hates the teaching that it's okay to do those things. That's what that's speaking about right there. Sometimes you just have to read a little further and you get the answer. All right. I'm sure there'll be a mixed receiving of today's message, and that's fine. You know, God calls people to do different things. We're not all called to, to preach the same message and to teach the same thing and to be focused on the same things. Otherwise, God wouldn't need or wouldn't use so many people. I've always felt... And you can read about my vision that I had in 2012 in my book, The End of Days, 30-day devotional. I've always felt that my job was to reach down and snatch people out of the drowning waters, out of the drowning fires, and to preach righteousness and holiness. And so that's what I do. And he's God's given me a very harsh conviction of sin. And my attitude is to be hard on myself and extend grace to others. Hard on myself, grace extended to others. So I don't look at other people and say, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you think that. I extend them grace. The one I'm hard on is me. God will deal with them. That's not my job. Hard on myself, grace to others. But what I see a lot of people doing is the opposite. Hard on others, judgmental towards others, and that just let themselves off the hook about everything, right? All right, this has went on long enough. I think you get the point. Get back to those old things. Get back to doing the things you used to do. Decide, you know what? For the next four weeks, I'm get, I'm praying three times a day. I'm getting on my knees first thing in the morning before I do anything else. I'm prioritizing God and watch what happens. Spiritual discipline. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.